Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash my story. Also, if you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. Right, again, we want to welcome you today. If you are new, my name is Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. I also want to welcome our online audience, wherever you're at. Thank you for tuning in as well. Uh, I want to start with kind of asking you a question. Is, is, has any of you ever been in a life or death situation before? At least what you have thought to be life or death. Come on, not like that serious, like, but you felt like you were going to die, right? Like, oh, if something happened, I could end up dying, right? Well, well, I found myself in college in that situation. Uh, I was new to the, to the area, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and I was meeting new people all the time. It was the first week of school, and uh, <clears throat> this church that I was getting involved with was about 25 minutes away, and so, you know, I was in college. I didn't have a lot of gas money, and so someone offered me a free ride to the church service on a Wednesday night. I was working with the youth ministry, and so I get in the back of this girl's, this was, this was 2001, by the way, so I mean, remember like the 90s Mustangs, the two-door Mustangs, right? She had a red Mustang. I was like, wow, this is a cool car. So I get in the back with another friend, and there's two girls in the front, and we're driving about 25 minutes to get to this church where we were going, and as soon as we got about five minutes into the drive and got onto the highway, I immediately in the back seat began to pray. To pray for my life. I am not kidding you. This girl, and this has nothing to do with a girl or a boy. It just happened to be a girl that was driving the vehicle, okay? I'm not discriminating today. But this girl was the worst driver I'd ever seen in my life. This was pre-smartphone era. There was no texting. There was no distracted drivers with your phones. She was just a terrible driver, period, right? She's swerving on and off the road. She's talking to her friend. She's looking back at us. And I kid you not, I closed my eyes and just began to pray that we would make it to church. Well, beside, beside every thought I had, we made it. We, I survived. We made it to church. And the only thing I could think about the whole service was, I got to ride back with her, right? I got to go back with this girl. So I just began to pray and fast. You know, I was offered tree. I was like, no, I'm not eating. I'm fasting. I'm believing that God's going to deliver me from this moment as I, as I get back to school. And, and, and thankfully, I'm, I'm here today. But I kid you not, I was scared for my life. And I began to think about how important it is that life or death determines upon who you put in the driver's seat, right? You don't want to get in the car with someone who's not a good driver because it could literally end your life. And it's the same way in our Christian walk. Who you put in the driver's seat of your life can either lead to life or it can lead to death. In Romans 8, 1 through 4, it says this. Again, Paul's talking To these believers in Rome, he says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. That in of itself is just an amazing statement. That if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Christ, and we got to go back through all these chapters, he's established that fact. Now that you are in Christ, there's no condemnation for you. That if you feel condemned or shamed or guilt about coming into this place or any place that, that is worshiping Jesus, that is not from God. That is not Jesus. That's from the devil. He's the one who comes to condemn and to make us feel like we're not good enough. I know people who have told me, like, I don't want to be baptized because I don't feel like I'm good enough to be baptized. And I said, well, that's what it's all about. You aren't good enough. But Christ was. So celebrate that in your life. He goes on in verse 2. He says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. This is the key part. For us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So he's saying here is that it's, it's all been done. Christ freed you from sin. There's power that's been made available to you. And now you have to choose to access that power. You have to choose to now follow Jesus and not the old you, not your old ways. We choose to follow him. What and who you follow makes all the difference. Paul says one leads to life, one leads to death. We acknowledged it's raining. What are you guys doing right now? (laughs) I would just love for some of you to have a moment up here and to see what I see staring back at you sometimes. You see this, you know, you see all kinds of things. It's just rain and it's okay, all right? We're going to be all right. We have a few leaks, so if it just starts dripping on you, just dodge it, all right? You're going to be good. So Paul's establishing one leads to life, one leads to death. And that choice is up to you. You get to decide that. He goes on in verse 6. He says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. He's, He's telling you again, if you let the old you, if you go back to who you used to be, you are going to find yourself in a place of death. That will lead to destruction. But instead, if you let the spirit control your mind, it's going to lead to life in peace. We let, you have a choice, I have a choice, and because we have the power of the life-giving spirit in us, we can say no to sin. That power has been broken. So you decide, I'm not going to follow sin, I'm going to follow the spirit. I'm not going to allow myself to be led to destructive things, I'm going to be led into life. It goes on in verse 11, he says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's amazing. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that kind of power, resurrecting power, now is inside of you. And just as God has raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, we have no obligation to do what our sinful nature urges you to do. You're not obligated to it anymore. You have the power of the life-giving spirit in you. For if you live by it, it, for if you live by it dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Same Spirit, powerful, capable of anything. Nothing is impossible. Victory over sin, victory over addiction, restoration of relationships and marriages. He says that power has been made available to you. But you have to choose to say yes to the Spirit. And no to sin. It's not by your power that you can have victory over sin. Paul makes it very clear. It's not through what you can do, but what Christ can do through you. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, those who choose to remain in me, and I in them will, not maybe, not might, they will produce the fruit that I give them. For apart from me you can do nothing. Same kind of thing. Life 
or death. Remaining in me brings life. You can do anything. You can have victory over anything. But if you choose not to remain, then nothing. It is my life, Jesus said, through you because you are in me and I am in you. Paul said it this way in another letter that he wrote to Colossians. In chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, he says, And now that you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you've accepted this, you're in Christ, he's in you, you must continue to follow him, to pursue him. This part right here, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth, you, the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. The same idea of, of a plant. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. You're connected to me. Allow your root system, right? That's what gives life to any plant is not what you see on the outside. It's what's underground. It's the, it's the root systems. It's where they're planting themselves. And as you plant yourself in Jesus, as you allow yourself to, to lay your roots in him, it says that you will produce fruit. You will have the life that you want to have. So today, that I think that begs of us to ask the question, where are your roots planted? If you're not seeing the fruit that you want to see in your life, you have to ask yourself, am I planted? Because if you're not planted, you can't produce, right? For anything to produce fruit, it has to have roots that are planted. What does that mean for you and me? I think you got to be planted in God's word. You have to know the truth of what God says. You need to know the scriptures. You plant yourself. You allow your roots to go out into God's word and worship corporately together as we worship here. Man, we're, we're praising God. We're, we're establishing the foundation of building our lives. But I want to challenge you with this. If this is the only time you worship God, you're in trouble. You can worship God anytime you want. Anywhere you want. Any song we sing here, you can find it on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes. It's in your pocket. Any sermon that you want to hear, you can find on your phone. You have access to that. You can have access to the scripture. If you have a smartphone, you have plenty of opportunities to establish roots in your life that will produce the fruit that you want to see. Getting involved in a community, making church a priority. I know, you know, I'm the pastor, so hey, you should come to church every Sunday. But I'm just telling you, right? You're producing fruit. You're, you're, you're establishing roots that are going to produce fruit in your life. How amazing is it that these kids are saying, Dad, I want you to baptize me. Not just mine, other kids, because Dad's leading the way. Dad's serving, playing the drums. Dad's serving in kids, saying this is how we do. We are established in the house of God. We're establishing our roots. We're in life groups. We're doing life together. We're saying, I want my roots to go deep into Christ so that I can bear the fruit that he wants me to have in my life. It's available to us if we choose to do it. Last night, Jess and I were watching the show on 2020. I don't even remember what it was called. It was like, you know, I almost died or, you know, one of those kind of shows. And as I was having my mind on my message a little bit and watching this show, they hook you in right away. And they took a show what should have been about 15 minutes and drag it out into an hour. So I began to get frustrated right away. Uh, but this is the worst time of year for television, right? Uh, there's, we're, in, we're in the sports drought season where NBA is over. We're waiting for football. You know, the British Open was on yesterday, but it was on in the morning. So literally there was nothing better to watch. So we watched this show. And right out of the bat, this couple, this was like 20 years ago, by the way. It wasn't in the here and now. And so they had actors that were reenacting the scenes of what happened. And then they had the real people telling their story from their perspective as well. So it was interesting. And this couple was on their way to visit some family. 
and they're, in the, they're out west, they're driving through the mountains, and all of a sudden the snowstorm comes up out of nowhere, and it shuts the highway down. And so, the, you know, in the, in the show, the, the, the police officer's up, they're like, hey, what's going on? They're like, we had to close this road, there's no way to get across the other side of the mountain because of the storm, you're going to need somewhere to stay tonight, it should be open back tomorrow morning, we would think. And so the, 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 late, the woman, the wife, who's in the passenger seat, pulls out a map, right? This was a long time ago. Opens the map, and she goes, don't worry, honey, I'll find us an alternate route. And I was like, man, this is already off to a bad start, right? Like, like one, you have a map, and, and no offense, but if, if, if Jess was like, let me read this map, I would question her skills to do so. You know, I'd be like, babe, I don't even, I don't think, you know, can we really read that map? So anyway, she finds an alternate route around the mountain to go north around the mountain, and it was highway, I kid you not, the name of the highway was 8A, like there was a B somewhere, I don't even know what it was, but I was like, if there was an 8A road, I'm not driving on it, you know what I mean? So anyways, they start with them and a, like a one-year-old baby in the car. Through the night, they're driving. It gets dark, they had one car that was in front of them, they said that car disappeared, and they continue, they, they, they're getting worried, they don't know where they're at, it's snowing, they can't see anything, they stop, they see a road sign that says 20 miles to the next like main road or something, and when they stop to see the sign, literally their car wouldn't move, and the snow had gotten about a foot and a half high on the road, and their car, their truck was stuck. Fast forward a little bit, they spend three days in the truck, then two days walking to try to find help in winter with a baby, pulling a baby along in a bag behind them, all bundled up. They get to this place where there's a high elevation. They're like, as soon as we get to the top of that hill, we'll probably see the highway. We'll see another town. They get to the top of the hill, and all they see is nothing. So the woman stays. The man goes back for help. And I'll just tell you, it wouldn't have been on TV. I already told you that they were telling the story themselves. They all lived, right? I couldn't believe they all lived. The guy spent another two days walking back to the truck to find help, and he ends up finding the one person who lived within a 50-mile radius. There was one home, and the guy was on his way back from lunch, coming home from lunch to work, and found him. They ended up saving them, and they lost their toes, I think, but they, they survived, right? Crazy story, right? But I was thinking the whole time, and as it got to the end, the one thing that I found myself most thankful for was GPS, right? GPS, GPS technology. I don't have a map anymore. I'll never have a map again, right? Why would I ever need a map when I have GPS in my car on my phone? I have a map on my phone. I have a cell phone. So if I got to a place, I could probably at least walk to find a signal. I was thankful for GPS because without GPS, you can find yourself going routes that lead to nowhere, right? That take you to a place that you're going to be isolated where it's going to be challenging to get back to where you need to be. And as I was thinking about that, Paul kind of explains in your Christian life, the Holy Spirit is like your spiritual GPS. It's your spiritual GPS that leads you into all truth, that leads you to a place of life and not death. In Galatians 5, Paul picks up this same principle that he was telling the Romans to the church in Galatia. He has the same idea, and he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit be the GPS system for your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He's already established the sinful nature leads to death. Then you won't find yourself on a dead-end road in the middle 
of nowhere. Allow the Holy Spirit. And when he says this, let the Holy Spirit guide your life, it's literally like a tour guide. Let him be the one that tells you where you go, tells you what turn to make, right? God has a destination for your life, a place he's trying to get you that's full of life and blessing. This is what the word tells us. We believe in that. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is your tour guide to get you to where God wants you to be in a place of blessing, of hope, of life, all of those things. So he says you have to then keep in step, stay behind, keep following the Holy Spirit. Allow him to be the one to lead your life. It says, then you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. Learn to walk with the Spirit. So what he's saying is, is that the Holy Spirit is in you. We've established that. But you have to turn on and access that power, right? Like, I can have GPS in my car, but unless I put in the, the coordinates, the destination that I want to go, and turn the power on or turn it on on my phone, that, 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 that power tool, that thing is useless unless I access it right you guys follow me today so he's saying the holy spirit is in you but you have to make a choice to then allow him to be in control and to lead your life it's like the old school wwjd right remember those bracelets the wwj what would jesus do that's essentially what you're doing holy spirit as i as i go about my day i i follow you what would you do in this meeting at work how would you handle this confrontation how would you handle this? Lord, I allow you to lead. Lord, I ask it. And it says that when you do that, when you give him permission, that he's faithful to be there. Paul goes on in verse 17. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just what's opposite of the spirit, what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. You are not free to carry out your good intentions. So Paul's saying good intentions aren't enough. You need the Holy Spirit. And you have to then yield to the Holy Spirit, your spiritual GPS. He says, when you follow the sinful nature, it leads to death. And nobody wants that. He says that these things are obvious. Verse 19, when you, when you follow the sinful nature, the results are going to be very clear. He doesn't even really have to list them, but he goes on and lists some of the things that our sinful nature will cause in our life. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. He says, this is the fruit of your sinful nature. This is what it produces in your life. And I would hope to say that no one in this room would want this type of thing to be the fruit of their life, right? Because we know this leads in divorce. It, it brings insecurity. It brings broken relationships, lost jobs, isolation, bondage, addiction, hurting ourselves, hurting those around us, sin leads to death, the wake of sin, the fruit of sin. When you sow into sinful choices, the fruit, what you reap, Paul says, will always be death. So don't do that. You're not obligated to do that anymore. You have the power of the life-giving spirit inside of you. He says, but then this is the fruit of the spirit. When you think about fruit, right? Like if you are in a, in a place where you go to an apple farm, whatever it is, right? Fruit is a natural process, right? Like if it's an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. If it's an orange tree, it's going to produce oranges and so on. And he says that's the same type of thing with the fruit of the Spirit. So in verse 22, he says, let the Holy Spirit produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says against these things, there, there's no law against these things. This is the fruit of the Spirit. But what you have to realize is this, is that, again, fruit is a natural process. 
So sin naturally produces destruction, death. The spirit in you produces this kind of fruit in your life. It's the spirit's fruit. Are you guys following me today? Listen, yourself, if you try to produce this fruit on your own, you can't produce that fruit because you are a sinner. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. Just get over it. You are a sinful, selfish. Now, some of you are sitting next, don't say that with such, you know, intensity. Uh, But that's naturally who we are. So naturally, we produce that in our life. That's what's natural to us. You follow him. But the spirit, when you yield to the spirit, you give him permission to lead. He produces his fruit in you. Not your fruit. It's his fruit in you. Your roots are are, are getting life from the spirit. So you're naturally going to produce the fruit that he brings into your life. The problem is, is what Paul's established throughout Romans is, is, is that you can view God like through the law. This is religion. This is, this is a law-based approach to God that if I do these things, God will be pleased with me. If I do this, if I'm patient with people, God will say, I'm, I'm happy that you're o- obeying my rules. It's a, it's a rule-based. It's a, it's a law-based. Paul says the, law only, the only thing the law does is tell you that you're bad. That's the only thing the law was good for was to show you that we all fall short of the standard that God has. And so if you view God as like the the fruit of the spirit is like a religious to-do list, right, that that I have to do these things and then I'll be good. He says you're, you're viewing God, you're approaching God through the law. The law only leads to frustration and failure because you can't live up to the law, Paul's saying. So don't follow that. Allow the Holy Spirit to live in you. Yield to him and he will produce this fruit in you. I've seen it happen many times when people are in the midst of one of the most tragic situations in their life and yet they have peace. And you go, how how do you have peace? If I were you, I'd be a wreck right now, right? And they, they have peace. Why? Because it's not them. If it was them, they would be a mess. But it's the Holy Spirit because they've established a root system. They've planted themselves in Christ. He is producing his fruit through them in the middle of those things. So in the middle of a fight, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of tragedy, you can produce the fruit not because of you, but because of Christ in you. Are you following with me today? But we love to-do lists, don't we? Some of you, your whole life is a to-do list. If it's not on your list, it's not going to get done, right? You know, got married, check. You know, had kids, check. You know, you just go through career, check, 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 check. And it's like, hey, if you don't get it on my list, it's not going to happen. If I don't get it on my calendar, I'm not going to show up. And I get that. Like part of that you know, some of you got those honey to-do lists and, you know, your honey is not going to be happy unless you do the to-do, the honey-do list, right? You got to check those things off the list. And we live in a culture where we like lists and we think as soon as I check things off and if I climb the, the corporate ladder to-do list, every rung is a step that I got to check off my list to get where I need to go. And that's fine and dandy when it comes to our life. But when it comes to God, if you approach Jesus and, and your relationship with him as this to-do list, You're never going to mark everything off. You're going to fail because it's you. It's not the spirit in you. It's you trying to do what you can't do. You are a selfish, sinful person. Naturally born into this sinful nature, that's what you're naturally going to produce. And when you were without Christ, that was the fruit of your life. There was no choice you had. Now you are in Christ. He is in you. And if you yield to the Holy Spirit and you allow him to produce his fruit in you, you can be all that God wants you to be. You can live free, not because of you, but because of the spirit in you. 
You see, we can't take this to-do list approach. That's law. That's religion. And Paul is differentiating. He's saying, no, there's, there's a relationship that's available to you now because Christ died. You can have relationship with God. You can know God, and he can produce his fruit in you. So you need to learn to allow to yield to that system, to the spirit, that you have to activate the GPS. You have to give him permission to lead, to let him do what he wants to do, to essentially put him in the driver's seat of your life. And as Carrie Underwood would say, Jesus, take the wheel, right? That's what we do. Essentially, it's it. God, you're here. Here's what Paul's establishing throughout the book of Romans and what we've established over the last few weeks. It's simply this. Week one, I can't. God, I can't live up to it. I'm a failure. Paul said it. God, the very things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing those things. Who can save me? Jesus can save me. So I can't, but God, you can. You through me, I can be. Jesus said, nothing is impossible. Remain in me. Choose me. Let your roots grow down deep into me. You choose where you lay your roots. Plant yourself in the word of God. Worship him. Be in community. Plant yourself in the house of God and yield to the Holy Spirit and give him permission to work through you. So you say, God, I can't. You can. Go ahead. That's it. God, I can't. Thankfully, you can. So, Lord, go ahead. I give you permission. Lead the way. I yield to you. God, you in me you through me. And when you do that, the Bible says that he will be faithful to do what you cannot do. He will, not might, Jesus said, not maybe you'll produce, no, he will, if simply, you'll activate the GPS system. You'll acknowledge that he's there. You'll turn it on. The band's coming, we're gonna close out, and I do wanna say this, listen. Let's just establish right away, you're gonna mess up, okay? (laughs) You're going to set the GPS, you're going to get the coordinates in, and all of a sudden you're going to be veering off course. You're going to be doing the things. Like Paul said, I don't want to do these things. I find myself doing these things. What can save me? Jesus can save you. Giving him permission to lead can save you. You're going to hit detours. When we, we went to Florida a couple weeks ago, I spoke at a high school camp, and, uh, and I took, we took the whole crew. We got it loaded up the van, and, and, and we went. And it was, we left on a Sunday after church, so it's just a busy day, and we get home, and we're loading up the car and getting everything in, and, and we finally get everything in, and we're, we're pulling out, and we get like halfway down the street, and I grab my sunglasses and put my sunglasses on, I look over at Jess, she doesn't have her sunglasses on, I say, hey, did, did, you, did you bring your sunglasses? She's like, oh, no, I forgot. I was like, well, Florida, beach for a week, no sunglasses, that's going to be tough, why don't, we'll just go back and get them real quick. So we were still in the neighborhood, we pull back in, she grabs her sunglasses, we get in the car, we go, we turn out, we're heading to get on the highway, and we're about five minutes from home, and I realized that I had taken all the shirts that I needed to wear from when I was speaking, I left them on a hanger, because I didn't want them to get wrinkled, and so uh, I, I, I put them in the laundry room as I was on my way out, and I said, I'm going to come back and grab these after I get my bag. Well, I forgot to grab them. So we turn around, we go back home. My neighbor's mowing his grass, and he keeps looking at me like, what, didn't you leave? Not your back, you left again, now you're back. So then I'm like, all right, we're in the driveway. I'm like, all right, we got everything, we're good. And we were going a different route because we had some traffic, so we're heading over the bridge over Allen Creek on Cheshire, and we're getting over the bridge, and I'm like, I got everything, I got my computer back, I got all this, and Jess looks at me, she goes, do you got your iPad? And I was like, no, I don't. I left it charging because I wasn't speaking that day and I didn't have it. So we turn around again. At this time, the kids are going, what are we doing? 
And they go, if this was our fault, dad would be screaming at us. And I was like, yeah, you're right, but this is my fault. So be quiet, you know. So literally, like, you know, when you put in your GPS coordinates and you're ready to go, it gives you an ETA, right? We added like 45 minutes to our ETA of driving to Florida. And once we got on the road and even when you were driving, there was portions of the highway that were shut down. There was roads that were closed. And if you live anywhere around Lewis Center right now, you understand the detours that, that you have to, to get around to navigate. But what I thought about this was this, is that you're going to mess up. You're going to forget things. You're going to get off course every now and then. But the beauty of the GPS, right, is that when you get off course, what does it do? It recalculates. So, hey, you made a wrong turn. It'll say, turn around. Sometimes it just says, make a U-turn. You're going the wrong direction. There's no side road here. You need to turn around and get back on track. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says that to you. And it, it keeps reminding you, wrong turn. You're going down the wrong path. Yield to me. I'm telling you where you need to go. Yield. Listen to the GPS. Turn around. You're going to hit a detour, and you're going to go, I need an alternate route. You hit alternate route, and it shows you a way around. And some of you are going to hit detours. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen in your life that, that don't go according to plan. And the GPS, the Holy Spirit, think about it. When detours come, when, when you get off path, it doesn't change your destination. Detours don't change the destination, only the route to get there. You following me? So it may take a little bit longer. You may add 45 minutes to your trip. You may have to go some back roads and get stuck in some traffic, but eventually God's going to get you back on course, back to where he wants you to be. That's yielding to the Holy Spirit. He's in you. Paul said these two things, your sinful nature, the Spirit, they're constantly going to be at each other. And what you need to do is just yield to this one. This one not going to lead you anywhere good. You're going to end up in the middle of nowhere with five feet of snow and wandering in the wilderness for six days and lose your toes. This one, life. Life to the full. God, I can't. You can. Go ahead. Paul closes out this chapter. He says, so those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They've crucified them there. They've buried them. They're new in Christ. They're free to be who he's created them to be. So he says, since we're now living by the Spirit, let us follow his leading in every part of our life. Every part. Not some parts. Every part. He says, you yield to him. You keep in step with the Spirit. He's your tour guide. He's your GPS. Lord, what do you want me to do? We start every day declaring who we are in Christ. We're deciding to pursue him, to say no to sin, to yes to him. And then we devote ourselves to saying, God, I'm going to pursue you. And listen, you're going to mess up. You're going to veer off course, and it's okay. And when you do, you just yield to the Spirit. You sense him pushing you back, telling you to turn around. And you go, okay, God. You don't base it on the law. You don't view God as the law as a to-do list because when you mess up, you give up. I messed up. I'm lost. I can't get back. No, no, no. You can get back. You go, Lord, I got out of step with you. I, I veered off course somewhere and I stopped following you and, and, and you waited and, and, and you came back. And, and so, Lord, I'm, I'm coming back into alignment. I'm yielding to you again. And Paul says, when you do that, he will lead you into all truth. You will produce fruit, not your fruit, his fruit in you. And you will be free to be who he created you to be.
So if you're frustrated trying to keep a religious to-do list, throw your list away. Get rid of it. God loves you. He has a plan for you. Keep in step with his spirit. How do we do that? What should you do moving forward? Just embrace your new identity. Accept it. Who you are in Christ, you aren't good enough. You never will be. Thank God Jesus was. And what was true of Jesus is now true of you. I've accepted him. I'm righteous in God's sight because he views me through the lens of his son's sacrifice. Embrace this new approach. Sin's not my master. Declare that truth. Decide. I belong to God. I'm deciding to live for him. I'm devoting me. Teach me, Holy Spirit, to walk with you. I give you permission to lead the way. You're in the driver's seat. And then refuse to go back to the old you. Refuse to interact with God on the basis of laws and rules and religions. It will frustrate you. You will fail and you will quit. I'm just telling you. Embrace who you are. Follow God. So instead of, I did it again, God. I did it again. I'm so sorry. Just, God, I got out of step. Lord, I'm coming back. Lead me. I give you permission. He stands at the door and knocks, the Bible says. And whoever opens it up, whoever, regardless of your past, your baggage, whatever you're dealing with, whoever opens it up, says he'll come in. We'll fellowship with you. The goal from the very beginning was for God to reestablish relationship with you. He had it in the garden. He lost it when we sinned. And he had it again when Jesus came back. He desires to know you if you'll simply yield to him and let him lead the way. Would you stand with me today as we sing this song? And this is, a, this is really a song of, of a prayer, if you want to say it, as, as you commit to say, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart, God. Scarred up, banged up, beat up, sinned up. Here it is, God. You can have it. Just give it to him. God, here's my life. God, I don't want to be in control. I don't want to try to drive. I, I, I know where I'll end up if I follow what I think is right. If I do what I think is best, Lord, I surrender to you. God, I can't. You can. Go ahead. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful that you invite us to know you, to walk with you, that the God of this universe sent his son and that Jesus, you willingly and voluntarily died and paid a price for my sin that I was unable to pay for myself and you justified the law so I didn't have to and so Lord today I make a choice to follow you because you're worthy of it God you're worthy of everything that I could offer you so I offer you what I have this morning and I give you permission to lead the way in my life Lord here's my heart God speak what is true to us this morning in Jesus name Amen